Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Three Point Sports Talk podcast. My name is John Gustin, and this is recorded on Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018. Today, we're going to have a very special guest from my time at Ferris State University as our first fan correspondent. I'll explain what that is in just a moment. That was recorded yesterday, Monday, October 22nd. And it's coming up today because life gets busy and it's still pretty relevant heading into the week following. It looks at Michigan, Michigan State, the fall around that game. What's going to be like for both teams going forward? Best case predictions. I'm also going to talk about a little bit of the Detroit Pistons and then uh, talk about future upcoming scheduling. Uh, quick tidbits on Daredevil, the Netflix series, just a random thrown in there. Maybe you have some overlap. If not, you can just stop listening after the Michigan State and Sports Talk part but the daredevil talk might be a little bit of a teaser for what's coming up in the other sections of the three point the three point is for sports media and life which is going to be a lot of life life is going to be travels and a different sightseeing along with breweries that's going to be a lot of it really is breweries different beers things like that so uh, similar to other projects i've worked on the past if you followed along with me so far if so I thank you for sticking with me. If you hear any additional sound or uh, background noise or whatever we like to call that, that is Turtle. He is my co-pilot of a four-year-old tabby. So without further ado, here is my guest, Aaron McLaughlin. We are not doing video today because I have just woke up because that is the joys of working third shift, but... I love live TV. Anyways, we're going to jump into something that I'm really excited to do. We are going to do fan correspondence. If you want to be on the show, if you want your voice heard, uh, not just doing social media, we're not just doing, you know, call and ask a question. We'll have you on the show. And the first one to do this is my very, very good friend and a very big Michigan fan who I think still owes me a bet from last year, but this year might make up for it. Aaron McLaughlin, fellow Ferris State Bulldog graduate. Uh, he is the man. He is also a uh, former member of the student radio station with me. And as I already teased, he's a big U of M fan. Aaron, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. You know, basking in the glow of another U of M dominating defensive showdown win. Um, it was it was kind of a tale of all four seasons on Saturday, John. Uh, I was actually there in uh, East Landfill. Uh, East Lansing, excuse me. <laughs> um, well, about seven, eight minutes into the first quarter, my lovely girlfriend and I had to be politely asked to leave the venue as uh, we, our lives are basically in danger. Don't know what. Uh, apparently there was a lightning strike about 30 miles uh, due south of the stadium. And we were... Escorted lovely Wells Hall on Michigan State's lovely East Lansing campus, where we were cramped in with about forty to fifty thousand of well, some of my good friends and some of my uh, enemies, as you as you were. So that's kind of the tale of that. Yeah, what, as far uh, as the complex, I've I've been oh. there a couple times. Uh, I, I had one season, I might have been like 2014 or 2013, uh, I went to like two games in a row at Michigan State with lightning delays, and <laughs> it, 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 was, it was really great luck there for me, uh, and the, right. the, the person I w was uh, going to the game with, and we waited it out at, I think actually one was with a parent, and then one was with a significant other, we waited one of them out at the like athletics complex, not the athletics, but like the rec complex, one of the tennis courts okay. there, okay. where did you wind up uh, waiting out the storm? 
not too far from the stadium, about a block from about a block east of the stadium in Wells Hall. Uh, nice little mathematics, uh, uh, you know, kind of co complex, bunch of classrooms. Nobody knew where to go. Uh, we kind of all just, thankfully, all the classroom doors were unlocked. A um, bunch of people filed into these classrooms, got on the computers, started pulling up other games and watching other games. So, so people just kind of did follow the leader into a bunch of random classrooms that weren't really being, um, like, directed by anybody, you're saying? No. We were, we, it was directed by a public address announcement, and thankfully I had friends back home, uh, shout out to uh, Mr. Hendrickson, my good friend, and uh, my good friend Jason, for keeping me up to date on when the broadcast said, hey, this is when the game's going to hit back on. And then you kind of just filed people out as soon as they started heading back towards the stadium. And what's kind of cool about this is you literally, the uh, when you got into the game, very first off, we dang near missed kickoff because the security line was just so long to get into Spartan Stadium, let alone. Uh, we got luckily we got in with about five minutes or right after they did the coin toss, so about a minute, minute and a half before kickoff, about twelve, twelve four Eastern time, and then about roughly about an hour later, that's when the clouds started to turn real dark black. Uh, storm moved in. Public dress said, "Hey, we are now gonna be." The ref came on the mic and said, "Hey, we're gonna postpone the game," uh, and then we got directed to it. You know, I will say shout-out to Michigan State Athletic Department for throwing it up on the video board of where to go and having all their staff informed of where to tell everybody to go. So, really, they did a really good job that way. They could, however, do better with the getting into the game part, but everything else, you know, it seemed, you know, really good. Um, sad news is Michigan was driving at that point when the – uh, postponement did hap did occur. Yeah, it did seem that, that was after kind of that, a step of the Michigan top. State did get um, some momentum following the, or or maybe like a stalled momentum. I, I I don't know what it was, but at least for the first half, it went Michigan State's way following the changing of the, or, or following the game <laughs> reset. Yeah, you know, see, and so once we got back, you know, uh, promptly Michigan went for, uh, three and out. Right after that, I want to let the players back in and everything. One thing, John, that I did not see that has been stirring up social media quite a bit, uh, pre, a little pregame scuffle before the game, you know, the Spartans doing their you know annual walk of the whole field. So you, you, you've seen the video on social media, right? Like you, you didn't see it in oh, person, yeah. but you – yeah, because no, no one's going to really see that in person because that's really – early in the game so was, here let, let's just jump right into the big controversy so yeah michigan michigan that state about, michigan won like oh. let's do the quick rundown on the game and then the fallout so i'm yep. so you got to safety which is great stayed got in and out no no issues with that yeah. and then there was a football game uh, that just so happened to occur at the same time of you taking a tour of east lansing and <laughs> the, the results of the football game is that a, a couple things. Michigan got their first road top 25 win in, I don't know what, 18, uh, 18 road 20, top 25 wins. Something I would like also that. contest that Michigan State shouldn't have been a top 25 team, but that's neither here nor there for the moment. Um, uh, Michigan's running game was impressive. Their offensive line was dominant. Uh, Shea Patterson, to me, and Brian Lewerke did not impress 
at all with their passing ability. And I think Shea Patterson compliment. Uh, so quick sidebar on that. One thing that stood out to me is when you know D'Antonio did go to his backup late there in the fourth quarter. Why wasn't Ladarius Jefferson the guy to go to versus the guy that they ended up going with? Because Ladarius Jefferson looked like he had a little better feeling of the offense at that point. Minus, you know, given Michigan State's beat-up offensive line, you know, they're still missing a key player on the line. I can't remember the exact name. I know Beatles back this was back that week or this past week, but I mean, they're still missing Josiah Scott, Cody White. And then you lose Felton Davis, the third, to a ruptured Achilles tendon. You never, you never wish that on anybody. And don't get me wrong, Felton wasn't even a part of the offense when he went down with that injury, which is no. He was the only know, real passing say. option for Michigan State. So what happened with Michigan State is they're missing now their top, but three, four wideouts through in and out of the game. They had injuries with some. Um, and then I, you know, White, I, a couple played, but throughout the season, Michigan State's lost offensive linemen. Their top four receivers, their top running back has had a uh, lingering ankle injury. Their uh, injuries on their secondary as well. And so it's Michigan State has basically been wiped out across the board. Like if you say any team, you're going to lose your top four receivers, some of your secondary, and some of your line, and your top running back. Like, what do you think is going to happen? So, I mean, it's more or less You're impressive. Have a six and six year or seven and seven and five. Right. At best. I mean, usually that's yeah. a recipe for a three and nine team. I mean, just that many injuries, four, uh, four and eight. So, I mean, it's impressive to me that Michigan State was as competitive as they were, considering just the difference in health between both teams. But apparently, oh, yeah. Lewerke, I'm. I'm not certain what's up with Lewerke. He only completed five passes out of, what, 22 or so? You know, I mean, see, I, I think, think there's a, they, got, they did say there was a uh, shoulder injury. Uh, D'Antonio, it says it's not determined if Lewerke will play uh, this upcoming week against Purdue because of a shoulder injury, but he's not looked right this season in general, and I don't know if this has been a lingering issue coming out of, like, training camp or I, if this is know, it going forward. See, that's that's where I'm, that's what I'm thinking is because last year, you know, everyone's like, oh, Lewerke's the greatest thing to happen to Michigan State sets Kirk Cousins. I'm like, okay. So I watched a little bit of Lorky from last year over the weekend, and then I watched some Lorky from this weekend. And it's leaps and bounds a mighty step back for Mr. Lorky. He's got happy feet to say the least. Yeah, I don't know that's if it's like, thing. is that the absence of your uh, running back? Like, I mean, if you're used to having a running back and a dominant offensive line, yeah. their offensive line, even when it was healthy, wasn't really gelling. And then you lose, you know, you don't know who to throw the ball to now. You don't have your first, second, and even third option if he could get that far in a progression. I don't know how strong um, uh, his ability, his vision is, and his decision-making is. But, you know, you lose your top two, you know, check one, check two and then hand off or something like that, or, you know, check down, and there's nothing yeah. there. I mean, that's going to cause anybody to have happy feet, especially a younger quarterback. But I, I would say, yes, he uh, is I mean, an electric-style quarterback. Look at what did first game against Notre Dame. He didn't really have that, okay, who's my top one, who's my two, who's my three, who's my four? And then, so after they tried to say, okay, we're going to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, and that didn't really work, Jim's like, okay, let's drop that back. And let's go power run, power eye. You know, harken back to the old Michigan days where strong old line, strong running game with Karan Higdon. Well, it's a pro-style uh, offense. I mean, especially in the Wilson. weather, too. I mean, when it's raining out, I mean, which it was. I mean, 
bless you oh, for going was, to that game. That that's exactly the time when you need to run the ball. It was it was good, you know, football weather, but it was just, you know, as Jim said, you know, it was terrible four seasons. First, you had sunny opening kickoff weather. Then you had rain. Then you got sleet, but almost ended up with snow. And then you had sun again. So you kind of had spring, fall, winter, summer, all in one game. And that's got to just confuse the heck out of the quarterbacks. And, you know, Shea didn't look that great. The one great play he had was that open or that uh, 79 yard or 70 yard touchdown to Donovan Peoples Jones. And yeah, that back I had a shoulder great fade route. view of that catch because I was sitting on that side of the field. So I was able, I was sitting at that side of the field on the 10. So I was able to see that play when Donovan caught over his shoulder and then, you know, raced away from the secondary. Michigan State missed, I mean, early in the game. They were sure tackling, sure tackled. And then something just happened where the O-line just wore down the defense, pushed them back, and started creating holes. Well, I, I think I know what happened is the, the defense never got a break with Michigan State's offense not doing a, able to do anything. I mean, eventually yeah. your defense, I mean, they need to get a break on the field. I mean, your offense has to string together a couple first downs just to get guys breather. And, yeah, that that's what's going to happen is if, you know, Michigan State's offense is inept against a good, if not, I wouldn't say Michigan State, a Michigan's defense is great. I would say Michigan's defense is good. And their run game is great. And I think a oh, couple. Yeah, absolutely. And so so I'm going to say that, like, obviously, Michigan State, I think best case scenario, you know, nine and three, eight and four. I mean, Purdue is going to be a lot more of a challenge than you anticipated, because right now, if you're looking at their losses, they got three losses right now. Big mm-hmm. um, opponents left this year would be Ohio State and Purdue. So yeah. uh, we was coming off an emotional high. Right. From so, knocking off the Buckeyes in Ross eight. Right. So you're saying Michigan State could go eight and four. But now with the Purdue, that might be seven and five. It really depends, I think, on if they figure out what the heck is up with Lewerke, which you know, this is disappointing considering all the returning players this year. But with this much injuries, yeah. it's it's a wash. Like if, if you're above 500, I think with this much injuries, good for you. Um, and, you know, and then for coach Michigan, Antonio's a good coach. I mean, that is not without, you know, not without the Rams. I mean, the last time they bottomed it out was three and nine. So, I mean, I'll take I'll take an eight and four as a Michigan State fan as opposed to a yeah. three and nine. Now, I think for Michigan, the real interesting question here uh, is what is their potential? Because right now they're ranked top 10 in the nation. I mean, everybody's really high on them. And I'm here. I'm not hating on them. I'm just saying that good defense, uh, good, great run game. But yeah. their passing game, I think, really, in order to be uh, a great team, I think you need to have an uh, offensive balance because if yep. one team matches up their defense, you know, they've got a strong D-line or they've got a strong secondary, you're going to struggle. You need to be able to win at both uh, facets of the game. Oh, and I think I watching Shea Patterson, I mean, Michigan State's, I understand there was weather there, but Michigan State's secondary has been lit up by Northwestern. And Northwestern's, you know, oh, a yeah. solid team, and they're a feisty team. But Northwestern's not going to be any better than Michigan State by an overall record, I'm assuming, at the end of the season or so, or not by any significant margin. So seeing Chase Patterson really not do anything downfield, uh, that that really kind of, this was my first strong look at him. And I'm like, this. W- what is this hype here? In my mind, I'm thinking right now at the quarterback situation at Michigan, the last qu- quarterback, like, tell me, over the last 10 years, the only quarterback I can think of that I really liked and as a downfield guy who really worked everything, 
uh, as a you know a true pro style quarterback, or even you know uh, your spread style offense. Denard Robinson or Devin Gardner, they were offensive threats, but they never were fully a complete quarterback. It, Jake Rudolph. I would, I would I even go back. I would go Chad Henney. Yeah, Jake Rudolph and Chad Henney. Like, if those are the yeah. only two quarterbacks coming out of Michigan that I, you can point to and say, that's a quarterback that I want leading, you know, a top 15 team in the nation. Right. What the heck? But you know what? One stat that I heard over the, over the course of hate week, you know, as it's affectionately called here in Michigan, Michigan State land, is that up until Saturday, Michigan has not thrown a passing touchdown against MSU since the fourth quarter of the 2011 contest. Oof. Which just, Oof. Correct me if I'm wrong, that's a Michigan State win, too, as well. So, I mean, that, I mean if it's in the last 10 years, it's probably a Michigan big, State big win. Stat. And for Patterson to throw two touchdowns, you know, I was okay with just two touchdowns because – you know, Karan Hickton and Ben Mason basically. Well, know, the, 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 and yeah, those the those way. weren't necessarily on. Um, and and this is something too that always uh, I, I'm watching more NFL games or college games, and I'm just getting frustrated with some quarterback play. Of okay, you're checking the ball down, but the the the, the after the play after the catch, that's on the receiver. Like the quarterback mm-hmm. didn't throw you open or didn't let you that. That's the receiver just making an absolute oh, play using their ability to score the touchdown. Oh, absolutely. Like a four-down check know, isn't I on the quarterback. Like a quarterback gets, uh, you know, 30 yards and a touchdown on a four-yard check down. No, that's not the quarterback. That's the receiver who made the play. Oh, right, right. Um, but, you know, I will say this. That play that Michigan State drew up, that little double uh, double reverse halfback pass uh, that scored the only MSU touchdown to Brian Lewerke was, you know, a thing of beauty. And Jim is Jim Price all week. Oh, we're ready for ready. We're ready for their trickeration. No, no, no problem. No, no, no. You, you're you're ready for a banged up quarterback who can't complete a five yard pass. That's what they were ready right. for. They it just they they've bit on that fake way too hard, and that's you know why it ended the way it did there. So overall, what do you think of Shea Patterson? Like, what what are your concise thoughts? Like rating him? I, like how if you're gonna Give him a grade, like a, a school grade. Um, as a quarterback, what would you grade him as and say his strengths and weaknesses are and his potential for Michigan? I would say strength is definitely a game game manager, personally. Oof. Oof. Uh, he, he can throw the ball pretty dang far, but, you know, personally, okay, if we're looking at NFL drought realms here, I would say mid-first round, late second round pick. For, wait, I what? Think he needs to come back a year, another year under Jim. And work a little bit more. Work with Pep a little bit on the offseason. Did you just say Shea Patterson is a first-round pick? I say like butt end of the third round or first round, you know, mid thirties to late second round. Like I'm talking about sixty, sixtieth to seventieth. I'm saying right now he'd be just because of how many good quarterbacks there are nationwide. The the dude would be is a training camp deal right now just because where yeah. he's at. Um, he, he, I don't think he would get drafted just because you're going to look at a, a, other prospects, but it's just interesting to and see. And that's also depending happening. on who comes out, though, too. You know, they're expecting Shea to go because it's Shea. I don't think so. And you know what? I also no, this is only, only this is only his Trump third pick. season. I mean, he's still eligible for one more after this year. Yeah. And you know what? One thing that bothers me with the – we're going to jump ahead a little bit here – the Nick Bosa stuff coming out last week. 
what has me scared beyond belief is that could Rashad Gary pull a Nick Bosa? I personally sitting here don't think so. I think Rashawn Gary is literally just not healthy enough to play, which is why Jim has sat him for three weeks and, you know, having that fourth week where you don't have a game, you have an entire bye week. And Gary was on the field last week practicing. He just didn't travel to East Lansing because it just – Jim said even in his weekly presser today, it didn't make sense. I'm going to take the 74 players that are going to trip there and travel and have a chance to play in that game. Now, now for those listening who might not know, Rashawn Gary is a Michigan defensive lineman, a very talented uh, player, but he's just been unavailable for the last three straight uh, games uh, with a shoulder injury. And then the previous two games, uh, he, he couldn't do much because of the injury as well. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is it's a uh, shoulder-related ailment. It's about, uh, I think it, I heard it's a sprained AC joint is what I heard that the official diagnosis is. So I'm like, okay, that's actually a really serious injury because as a edge rusher, you need your upper body to do your swim moves and all your different moves as a defensive lineman to order to, to affect the quarterback. But then when you have – and I, I'm going to throw a shout-out here to Josh Uche. My man has stood up, and he's – Balled out. He is top 30 in sacks in the NCAA with five. And that's just with him spotting on third down and now playing, you know, basically filling in the void for Sean Gary. And Rashawn Gary wanted Chase to come back this year in order to form the best edge rushing duo in the country. Okay, Chase now, 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 now you mentioned Chase. I want to ask you about Chase. I want to ask you about Chase really quick. So Chase Winovich, he says sometimes you got to put little brother in his place post game. I mean, there there was antics in the uh, pregame where they uh, one player was uh, cleating, like digging up the Spartan logo. Uh, yeah, there was yeah, a little was bit of shoveling, yep. and then Winovich says post game put Michigan's uh, little brother in his place. My thought on that, as someone who is more biased towards Michigan State, is that that that's just a ridiculous statement because I'm like, when was the last time this dude won? playing Michigan State I mean has he even he's got what maybe one win against the school I mean in the last 10 years uh, I don't Chase think he has two okay does Michigan's little brother actually hold any weight nowadays or does it only hold weight for just the year if we're talking last 10 years I know that there's there's uh, three different ways that you can look at this is how I view it you can look overall in the grand scheme of it Michigan has it about 66 to 38 something along okay. the parks historically Michigan dominates now we're going to talk since right. Lloyd Carr retires. Following Lloyd Carr's retirement, Michigan State has dominated the series. That's been the oh, last absolutely. 11 years. Not even a question. So the last 11 years, I would say, it's not even what have you done for me lately. The last 10 years of anything, any relationship, really defines it. Like you could talk, yeah. let's say about a marriage. Like, you know, let's say that Michigan-Michigan State is a contentious marriage. Let's let's scale it down a little bit here. Let's okay. say it's a long marriage. They, they, they've been married for, together for 40 years. They're entering their 60s now. Maybe yeah. the first, uh, you know, 30 years, you know, let's say, you know, 35 years of the relationship were, were pretty solid. I mean, it was one way. It was good. But the last five years have been absolutely awful. Like just mm-hmm. a, 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 just something where you're, you're asking everybody to get therapy, just divorce. It's going to be better for you. Now, let's apply that same concept to, to Michigan fans and the concept of little brother. So for the first long time, you can brag for this. But really, for the formative years, for the majority of people uh, attending U of M now or beyond or their graduates, uh, 
they haven't known a good Michigan football team outside of the one Harbaugh blip and the one Brady Hoke blip. Oh, agreed, agreed. So does little brother actually hold weight if we look at it through that lens? Yeah, you know, Chase said after the Wisconsin game two weeks ago um, on ABC, said, hey, this is the start of the revenge tour. You know, they they came in, we went to their place last year, talking about Wisconsin, they disrespected us, they beat us fair and square. And then they played Michigan State, got incredibly embarrassed, and, you know, Chase is like, I'm on, I'm out for blood. I'm out for revenge. And, you know, rightfully so. Um, but this, to me, this, this Michigan team, and I've not been praising them. I've been kind of trying to hold it in check a little bit. But this team has got something special going on down there in Ann Arbor. And I can't wait to see, you know, the pivotal two games that are, that are looking at me is Penn State uh, in two weeks. And Ohio State at the end of the year. But don't forget to jump to Indiana. Indiana, to me, can be a trap game on homecoming. Now, so so, uh, so know, let's talk. It, uh, best case scenario, obviously, they go 11-1. and one, They win the Big Ten Championship game. They make the playoffs. I mean, that's easy. That's, now, yeah. now, realistically, though, uh, do you see... I would say that they're going to drop one game against Penn State or... Ohio State. Just looking at it, Notre Dame is not a great team. Uh, no. I mean, they're a top, you know, thirty team, but they're not a great team. And Michigan dropped him while fully healthy. I understand it was early in the season, but still, looking at that, that's a pretty decent blemish. And then they played Northwestern very close. Now Northwestern's feisty, but also not necessarily a great team. Those things right. together would lead me to believe that you know, Penn State, Ohio State, those are both kind of fifty-fifty games. Odds are. They're gonna drop one of those, right? You know, you know they probably could. I don't know. The Ohio State Ohio State game is looking a little bit more in Michigan's favor with the departure of Nick Bosa, and then not only that, but one of their junior defensive linemen has had to medically retire from the sport of football, similar to the Nebraska or uh, to the Northwestern kid, the running back that had to medically retire right before their game, and how inspired they came out and played for him. If I'm Urban Meyer, I'm looking, okay, so this kid just retired. Not only do we lose Nick Bosa, we lose this other kid. So now we're, we're, we're dropping flies in the defensive line here. Something's, something's fishy in Columbus, and I don't know if the players are starting to kind of pull away from Urban. It's kind of how the team last year he was at Florida kind of pulled away, pulled away from him before Urban decided – Yep, I'm gonna step aside. I'm gonna retire. And I, I don't know if you listen to Paul Feinbaum, but Feinbaum is of the mind that he thinks Urban is gone after this year from Columbus. I doubt it. I, I personally, I doubt it. Oh, I, you know, and Feinbaum is a, he, he's a big mouthpiece, but I don't know with all this departure work. Both is like, yep, I'm just gonna. Go recover from the surgery, away from school, away from the team. If I'm NFL scouts, that looks like a really big red flag. No, no. For- to me, that's just the smart play you're seeing nowadays. I mean, it's if you don't have like a crazy insurance policy, which I mean, there are a lot of players who now have insurance policies, but that's maybe you know two million dollars max, like something to right. help as like maybe pay off some debt 
get something set. I mean, I mean, you, you can actually do well with that money, but you think of, you know, income tax over the years, all of that stuff. That's something to help you through your life, but not your overall nowhere near possible career earnings that you can use from just oh, a couple of NFL seasons or even a rookie contract in the NFL. So I'm going to say, you know, as an uncompensated athlete with not a crazy insurance policy and you know you can make money, it's like somebody, you know, sitting out like a, a Michael Porter Jr. in the NBA who had all the back injuries. Now, part of that was just medical too, but if you know you can go on to the next level and get paid why yeah. risk like like Le'Veon Bell he's trying to get to his next contract without racking up any damages or mileage I'm like if that's what it takes for you to get there especially in uh college football where there's not even you know week to week or a signing bonus I I'm for that but I think that's a different discussion for a different day talking on Absolutely. this so final thoughts on Michigan Michigan State uh there were some post-game comments what do you think of the conduct between the two coaches uh Mark D'Antonio said it was BS with uh, Jim, uh, Jim Harbaugh talking about uh, Mark D'Antonio smiling pregame and everything surrounding it. Uh, to me, in my opinion, I was kind of hoping that I, I did look at the video of the pregame and, and where Harbaugh accuses D'Antonio of smiling when Michigan State players knock off uh, headphones off of a Michigan player. I would also say yep, the Michigan player deserved hell, yep. it. But I would say that all around, I would have expected better behavior or no, I wouldn't have expected better behavior from Harbaugh because I expect bluntness from him. Uh, but I would have <laughs> hoped all around that on both sides, players and coaches, that it it would have just been handled a little bit better or oh, just yeah, more professional. Um, you know, and this whole thing, the whole uh, altercation pregame, Devin Bush marking up the Spartan logo, to me it's just going to fuel fire for next year's game in Ann Arbor. Personally, I think that's why neither coach is willing to drop it per se because they want to continue to fuel that fire and be like, look, that was not called for. And Jim doubled down on it today in his presser and said, you know, I still believe there was malicious intent involved and all this other stuff. And one thing real quickly to touch back back on the game is I believe it was late in the fourth quarter or early in the fourth quarter where there was a – uh, on sportsmanlike conduct penalty where <laughs> a Michigan State quarterback, I don't remember who it was, and one of the Michigan defenders both slid on the sideline, and Michigan, Michigan got flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Well, there's multiple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties throughout the game on both sides and sometimes at the same oh, time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That one to me just sticks out. as like, okay, that was, that was some utter, utter BS there. It's like that was – Complete accidental behavior wasn't intended, you know, all this stuff. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I saw it a different way than most fans, and I'm open to that. But I will say this as a final note, that if my boss, Ryan McCollum, if you're listening, if you see this, because it will be on my socials, uh, you still owe me a bet tomorrow, sir. Whether it's wearing maize and blue or taking me out to lunch, your choice. Yes, and last year's bet between you and me was, I believe, wearing uh, Michigan State apparel, and I can't remember if there was anything else around that. But I think I'll let that slide. Yeah, I think there was some Taco Bell involved. But you know, I I think (laughs) I'll let that slide following the embarrassing Michigan State, embarrassing slash not embarrassing because of injuries lost, where it's somewhat of a cop out, but also just if you got to be able to throw the ball more than five yards anyways. So that's, I think that's going to do it for our Michigan, Michigan state talk. Aaron, if you want to let the folks know where can they follow you on social media? 
uh, on my Facebook, Aaron McLaughlin, and on my Twitter at Tigerspan for Life Two. And well, Snapchat, anything, Instagram, it's Aaron, <laughs> it's Aaron. McLaughlin ninety two. Uh, but you know what, John? I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Uh, great bye week for the Michigan Wolverines coming up. I'm gonna practice hard. Hopefully, Rashawn. And real quick, here's some injury news. Tariq Black did play in that game a few snaps. Is that a sign of things to come? I don't know. We're going to tease that for next week, folks. <laughs> well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the uh, debut episode of the Fan Correspondent. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate absolutely. your time, and it's absolutely great to catch up with you. Uh, it, it's been a bit since May. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been a long time. Thank you so much. And again, folks, that was the voice of Ferris State's own Aaron McLaughlin. Aaron and I graduated together in May. He was the first president of the second version of Bulldog Radio and is part of the reason why I am doing this now today in terms of continuing on podcasting and pursuing my love in this field. So a big thank you to him. And Turtle as the ambient or natural sound. I finally remembered the term I wanted to say that I edited out in the intro uh, but yes, uh, the industry term is nat sound or natural, or at least that's what we call it here in this place I work at. Anyways, so Michigan, Michigan State, going to be interesting to see what happens going forward, especially with injuries on both sides and where their progress is. I did mention that I did want to talk Pistons basketball really quick. Detroit stands right now at 2-0 and and heading into tonight's game, which would be for the 23rd, if you're going to hear this later, which probably will be. Uh, and I'll update the post game on Thursday's version of the show. Right now, they've put up two wins against not-so-impressive teams, the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls, both kind of rebuilding teams. 103 over 100 against Brooklyn, 118-116 against Chicago. Neither of that is ideal. But what has been great is Blake Griffin. He has put up 26 points in rebounds and assists, and then 33 points against the Bulls. He's been good. Ish Smith, has his three-point shooting has continued, but at a high rate. And he actually closed out the game as at the point guard against Chicago with Reggie Jackson playing the two guard. That'll be interesting to see. I could see Reggie Jackson maybe kind of like uh, C.J. McCollum in that fact. Maybe less shooting, less defense, but still that would be an interesting way because Ish Smith, if his three-point shooting is legit, he's the better defender. He is a more willing passer, and I think the offense runs better through him, and that could be interesting to see running a two-guard set long-term. Drummond has continued to shoot the three-pointer that he did in the preseason, which is not ideal. He is not quite a seven-footer, an almost seven-footer who's shooting three, has never done it before, really, on a regular basis. And he's, like, attempting three game or something like that, and they're not connecting. They don't look good. No one's going to honor it. And then he's done fadeaways and mid-range jumpers. And I'm all for him having a more scoring but it has to be within reason. If he's not scoring effectively, he's eating away shots from guys like Blake Griffin, Ish Smith, Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock, guys who are going to be effective floor spacers and higher value shots uh, as opposed to a weird mid-range floater or something like that that you know is not going to connect. It'd go to the three-point line instead. Just the numbers, that's how basketball works at this point in time until there is different rules in place to affect how the three-point shot is valued. So they're going to play tonight against the 76ers. They actually might even be without Andre Drummond, who might be out with the flu bug that Reggie Bullock had earlier. 
would be interesting, would get expanded time for Zaza Pachula, who has looked actually really good setting screens and team defense. And I could argue that the offense flows better with Zaza on the court than Drummond because he's passing it to willing guys and getting a lot of good screens set for them. So kind of the whole dream on team, Draymond Green situation, where you kind of hate the player if he's not on your team and love him if he's on yours. And he is a former all-star too, if you guys forgot about that. Other interesting matchups in that will be Markel Fultz versus Reggie Jackson is Smith. What's going to be the go-to for their long-term? Fultz seems to be just going to be dragged along. But then there's no shooting on this team outside of Covington and J.J. Redick for the 76ers. Redick, the three-point marksman who made his mark known with the Clippers out in L.A. And then from there, I, I, I don't know. I, I think... Detroit has the deeper bench. Philly, between Simmons and Embiid, they, they've got two solid players that can really challenge Detroit if they're not having Drummond either engaged defensively or just not available in the first place. Blake Griffin, to see him match up, uh, to see who goes against him defensively too, I think that'll be interesting. I think he can probably do a lot of damage to Ben Simmons, so that'll be fun to see. And then it probably comes down to three-point shooting from there, which Redick would give the upper hand, you think, to Philly. But who knows? They have not been overly impressive this year right now. Just looking at their schedule, they're 2-1, and one, and that's with a loss to Chicago, a win over uh, – sorry, a loss to Boston, 105-87, a 127-108 win over Chicago, so comparison there, and then a one-point win against Orlando. So the Orlando one's a little less impressive. Chicago, they beat out, but who knows what mutual opponents actually mean or don't mean. So, I'm excited for the Pistons. Luke Kennard did not get playing time against the Bulls, which was shocking. Dwayne Casey says there's only 15 guys, and the two-point guard set might be eat away from it. But Kennard shot 43% as a rookie. And Galloway, even though he looked good in preseason, has not shot particularly well. He's been solid, but not spectacular. And then you haven't gotten anything from Stanley Johnson, who missed the first game. And you haven't seen anything either from GR3. GR3 has looked competent, but in like a James Ennis sort of competent way of. He is a body out there who, in theory, can space the floor, but has not done anything with volume. So if I could say Drummond shooting three-pointers or Johnson shooting threes or Kennard shooting threes, I would rather have Kennard because he should be the highest percentage player on this team based off of last year's performance. Plus, he's a ball handler and all that. But possibly, what some people have marked online, too, is that Kennard might be feeling limited and suffocated a little in Casey's system. As in, what it should do to everyone else is eliminate the long twos, the the really long mid-range jumpers. That should be a three. And instead, everything is either at the rim or at the three-point line. Unless your name is Andre Drummond, for some reason, you get away with that. Kennard does actually do a good pull-up mid-range jumper but it is in rhythm it's more of a free throw line jumper and it's within spacing i mean his game just think along the lines of a manu ginobili uh, you know a poor man's version of manu ginobili who shoots really well i think you take that and i'm not sure why he's not getting more minutes especially if casey was able to develop so many young players with toronto it might be because canard has the knee injury he was seen icing it up that also might just be a standard measure after warm-ups or anything for him if he's going to sit for a while because he did have a knee, a minor knee issue that he rehabbed from in the offseason. So who knows? I'm excited about the Pistons. Blake Griffin is absolutely fantastic. I don't think there would be any way 
that Detroit would have won the last two games considering how close they were if Tobias was in the game. Griffin takes over, and honestly, I want to see the Pistons make a trade, do something to get Griffin real players around him. I don't know if Drummond's not even looking like it. And in, just in terms of his basketball IQ and how he's playing, his stats are great, but his defense isn't there, and he's just killing shot selection. Reggie Jackson has looked effective at times, but his defense is poor, and his turnovers, and as seen at the end of the Brooklyn game, it just just look it up. Blake Griffin yelled. Blake Griffin's been a little grouchy at the end of games because of poor performance. But anyways, Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin, Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock, get him one more guy out there. I could see a Kemba-Blake Griffin combination doing decent damage in the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying they would beat Chicago or anything, but if you have Blake Griffin's contract for this much for how long, might as well make an investment and make this guy's years worth it. Because uh, you're paying for it anyways, might as well get the best version of the product out there. So enough about basketball. For those of you who don't care about basketball, college basketball will be coming underway soon. The AP Top 25 just released their polls. Michigan State is the highest ranked team there. No surprise, surprise. And Michigan is ranked as well. So as the seasons get closer on the college end, we will preview that in a moment. And finally, I did mention that I would talk about Daredevil. I did something inhuman. I thought I was going to do maybe a write-up or anything. Did not happen over the weekend, but Friday, I marathoned through all of season three of Daredevil. In short, I really liked it. It was a good, solid season. Interesting watching, rewatching Daredevil season one and leading up to season three. Season three is very much the same idea of he's the man in the black suit as opposed to the Daredevil outfit. He's fighting Wilson Fisk, more Wilson Fisk, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, also known from CSI, and I think Red Dragon, the second Silence of the Lambs book. Yeah, I think yeah, Red Dragon, the second Hannibal Lecter book. I'm not positive. So... I highly recommend watching it, though it is a little bit similar to season three. It doesn't really explore new ground, but it does introduce Bullseye, who is fantastic to watch and is highly enjoyable. So good for season three. Sad that Luke Cage and Iron Fist are now both canceled in the last week. Uh, season three of Iron Fist was going to go to explore places, and season two did a lot better job than season one, and I was interested to see where it would go. Season three of Luke Cage... I, I didn't really need to see Luke Cage as like a kingpin-like character uh, working with Harlan, but I think maybe the two of them together could explore those stories and give a better character dynamic and contrast and foils to help bring something out. So maybe they make a spinoff Heroes for Hire. Anyways, that's going to be it for me rambling today. Remember, you can follow the show at The Three Point on Twitter. That's Three Point is spelled out T-H-R-E-E point. So The Three Point on Twitter. Same thing for Facebook, facebook.com slash The Three Point. We're going to have podcast links down below as well for Google Play. iTunes One is incoming in the near future. And that'll be it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm John Gustin. Follow me at jgustin113. And I will talk to you Thursday. Thursday.